Oh, hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Rock Video Rental. <laughs> I am Brandon. With me, as always, is Caleb. And we are wrapping up Awesomely Bad Month uh, with a doozy. Uh, we're going to be talking about The Room. And I feel like I had to start this episode with, oh, hi. <laughs> I, I was not ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. Uh, so anyway, uh, what have you been watching? Um, yeah, so regular of the Simpsons, uh, not that anybody really cares, whatever. Um, but I watched a movie with my wife. Uh, have you ever seen Wanderlust? Uh, is that Paul Rudd in it? Yeah, Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, I think I watched that like forever ago. I don't really remember much about it other than I was a little underwhelmed by it. Yeah, it came out like, I don't know, 2013 or something, maybe. And, um, yeah, it was okay. It was just a dumb comedy. You know, it wasn't going to be anything revolutionary or too memorable. Yeah. Um, it, it was, uh, a little over the top in some parts. Um, but I will say like, oh man, nothing's coming to mind real quick, but it does have a scene where it's one of those where you think of like, how did they ever record this and how many takes did it take? Did it require? <laughs> Is it just like absolute ridiculous? And it's the Paul Rudd scene in the bathroom in the mirror. If you know, mm. you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't so, really remember much about that movie. Other right. than I was underwhelmed when I watched it. Yeah, uh, nothing really that I would recommend. It was just something where we were just like, oh, Paul Rudd, Jennifer Aniston, meh, whatever, random. It came across my feed. So um, the other one that I, I only have one more to add and that pertains to this week's episode. And I went ahead and did some extra viewership homework for this <laughs> and watched the disaster artist. What was it? 2017, I think something like that. 19. Yeah. Right around there. 2017, 18, something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we will bring that up during the episode. Yeah. Um, well, what I watched, uh, oh, couple more episodes of friends not a lot uh, i can't remember if i mentioned this movie last week uh the movie eye of the tiger i can't remember if you did i remember i texted you guys you and our friends about it um but i don't know if i mentioned it on the show uh it's got gary Busey in it and he's like a, a vietnam vet who comes home from like a stint in prison and he finds out like his hometown is being taken over by a biker gang Hmm. basically they mess with him and he fights back and cleans up the town it's kind of like death wish <laughs> it might be a lot of death wish 3 which i mean isn't a bad thing because death wish 3 is really entertaining but nice. yeah it's definitely worth a watch rock uh, and i also watched morgan stewart's coming home it's an 80s teen comedy that has john cryer in it uh that was okay it wasn't anything great uh, the best part about it is his character was like a huge horror fan and his um he, he went to a boarding school and like his dorm is uh completely covered in like 80s movie posters no but he's got like some more obscure ones like uh zombie 2 okay. i saw <laughs> that one was really cool um yeah just a bunch of cool stuff in his room that was probably the best part of it for me uh i watched a breakfast club for like the millionth time uh, I started watching the Showtime show Yellow Jackets. I think I'm on like episode four, something like that. Hmm. That's a pretty interesting show. 
Uh, that's pretty intense at times. That's about a a girls' high school soccer team that's flying somewhere for nationals, and the plane crashes, and then they have to like survive out in the wilderness. But at the same time, they're showing them in like present day. Uh, so like all the flashbacks take place in the nineties, and like the present day is like you know they're all in their, uh, like their forties. And stuff. Mm. They keep having flashbacks of what happened, so it's it's pretty interesting. It's got a good cast. It's got um, Juliette Lewis, uh, Christina Ricci, and then um, you remember the crazy neighbor from Two and a Half Men, Rose? No, not really. Oh, well, she was like obsessed with Charlie, but uh, she's in it. I can't think of anything else that she was ever really in. It was. Instantly, I recognized her from. But she's anything I've ever seen her in. She's usually pretty good. So, rock. Yeah, this show's been pretty good so far, and they're coming out with season two in like a week or something like that. Perfect timing. Yeah, and the last thing I also watched the Disaster Artist <laughs> <laughs> because I was very interested after watching The Room again, and then we talked about it last week, and I guess we didn't make that connection until after we got done recording. Mm-hmm. Because I kind of pieced it together after I listened to um, the episode of How Did This Get Made that they did on The Room, and they had uh, the guy who played Mark on there talking. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that more. Rock. <laughs> but yeah, are you ready to enter the room? Let's do it. A perfect world. These are for you. Thanks, honey. They're beautiful. A perfect life. I would do anything for my girl. I love you, Lisa. I love you, Johnny. Surprise! He provides for you. Darling, you can't support yourself. I don't love him anymore. He didn't get his promotion. And he got drunk last night. And he hit me. It's not true. I did not hit her. Well, maybe you should have a girl, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I have one already. I don't know yet. We can't do this anymore. Johnny's my best friend. This will be our secret. Don't worry. You can trust me. We are expecting! I'm your future husband. You sure about that? Please talk to me, please! You're having an affair with Lisa, aren't you? I need more from life than what Johnny can give me. She's a sociopath. She can't love anyone. There is no baby. I told him that to make it interesting. You're such a manipulative witch. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting our friendship. I treat you like a princess, and you stab me in the back. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Hey, Danny. Where's my money, Danny? Put the gun down. What the hell is wrong with you? Shut up. Oh. Hey! Stop it up with this world. The Room, a film with the passion of Tennessee Williams, directed by Tommy Wiseau. The best movie of the year. Experience this quirky new black comedy. It's a riot. So The Room, it is from 2003. It is directed by Tommy Wiseau. Um, (laughs) The plot is, Johnny is a successful bank executive who lives quietly in San Francisco townhouse with his fiancée, Lisa. One day, setting aside any scruples, Lisa seduces Johnny's best friend, Mark. From there, nothing will be the same again. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so not only is this movie directed by Tommy Wiseau, it is written by Tommy Wiseau, produced by Tommy Wiseau, 
funded by Tommy Wiseau, marketed by Tommy Wiseau, and starring Tommy Wiseau as Johnny. <laughs> uh, we also get uh, Greg Sestero as Mark, Juliet Danielle as Lisa, Philip Haldeman as Denny, and Carolyn Minot as Claudette. Okay, I have to say something real quick before we get started with this. I don't think a couple things. One, I don't think I have been so excited to record an episode as I am for this one. (laughs) Yeah, this is the first time watch for you. Yes, because this was just amazing. The whole experience, amazing, which we will dive into further. But then the second thing to note, which we have already discussed before we hit the record button, is that I don't believe that we have ever had this many notes written down for (laughs) any movie prior. Yeah, for everybody listening, Caleb and I have like a shared document where we enter in our notes so we make sure we cover everything and we don't like repeat each other. Um, And yeah, have we got like what, three pages? I, (laughs) yeah, it. It goes on and on. I like I'm doing the bullet points thing, so it does it by letter, and I got all the way to triple four no four K. Four K. That's that's how many points that's I a, have. That's that's a nice resolution you got there. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, yeah, because you watched it uh oh, what night did you watch that? Was it like Monday night or something? I started watching it Sunday. That's or right. wait. Yeah, I started watching it Sunday. And then I wasn't able to finish it. Um, my like my kids were up. I started it late, so I finished it on Monday night. And then I started the Disaster Artist that night, and then finished that Tuesday night. So, yeah, I noticed what I got on when I started entering my notes in. I just started laughing because you had so many of them, <laughs> and I could tell which part you were at in the movie by your notes. <laughs> Uh, so this isn't a first time watch for me it was a second and third time watch (laughs) i had to watch it twice (laughs) um not because i missed anything just because i had to watch it two times (laughs) i'll probably watch it again here pretty soon um yeah completely ridiculous movie but uh man i guess we could just kind of dive right in that's really all we can do with this uh so this movie is notorious for being (laughs) just horrible but the perfect kind of horrible where it's incredibly entertaining yes uh, it is it is captivating yes like not just entertaining this is a different level of bad movie um there's not too many that would be in this even ballpark but it is entertaining and captivating because it's so bad you can't look away yeah Except for maybe during the sex scenes, which there are a lot. (laughs) Well, there are four of them. (laughs) And so there's two involving Tommy and Lisa, and there's two involving Mark and Lisa. The two with Tommy are incredibly long. (laughs) Yes. And three of them happen in what, like the first 25? It's like the first 25 minutes. It's like one after another. Um, (laughs) Basically, like, it reminds me of high school when I lived at home. And, you know, if if you had, like, a Dish Network, you would all of a sudden get random, like, free weekends of HBO or Cinemax. Mm -hmm. 
and being up late in like a summer with free Cinemax and like all of a sudden right around uh, 11 o'clock the softcore porn would come on. Oh, dude. It's <laughs> and just... we're talking about the movies that have like an actual story to them. <laughs> yeah. No, this it once the third one hit, I was just like, this movie is not taking itself seriously. Like no real cinematic movie has this much sex in it yeah until you learn a little bit more about tommy wiseau that he learned that he probably was taking this seriously uh, <laughs> because yeah. i'm not i'm not convinced that tommy wiseau is a human being <laughs> well i'm not convinced either that some people are saying that it was the intent for this to be a dark comedy yeah it was it was not i'm fully convinced that it was meant to be a legit movie yeah much in the way of like miami connection mm -hmm. how it was a happy accident that it was so bad that it's funny yeah it, but yk kim just fully embraced it from the get-go where tommy i feel like may have been may have been a little disappointed at first Sure. That people didn't take it as serious as a drama as it was, and now he's just kind of leaned into it because he's just happy that people enjoy this movie. Yeah. Well, that that's that's the unique thing here. Like, brace yourselves because there are going to be a lot of bad things we're going to say about this movie. <laughs> but at the same time, it's kind of amazing, um, particularly about when this happened, because this was before you know, so many people were doing things online with making their own videos and movies and things like that. Not to this mm -hmm. level, but this was like pre YouTube explosion, like people trying to make their own content before content creators and all that stuff. And so it, it was a little bit kind of like he was ahead of his time uh, for an opportunity like this, but he went all in um, and I'm a believer of, you know, you want to do something, go for it. And I, it, people were laughing at it because they were enjoying it. Some people were probably laughing at him mm -hmm. for it. But at the same time, it's just like, dude, it, it, first of all, it took a ton of work and it took a ton of guts, but like, I mean, credit, credit to him for that. And so I'm saying that now as kind of like a pretext of like, we're going to say a lot of bad things about this, but at the same time, it's still really pretty amazing what it did. Yeah. And I mean, with awesomely bad, we admit that every movie is bad that we're watching. Yeah. <laughs> but the bad things are what make it good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess starting off the things that are good I had that Tommy Wiseau had a vision. He made this movie happen and he did it the way he wanted to. And that's admirable. <laughs> like it's his vision all the way through. Yeah. Whether I... that vision is strange and makes no sense is besides the point. Like that he started off with an idea, wrote the whole movie, directed it, shot it, started it, funded it, all that stuff. And then he marketed it himself and it was able to take off the way it did. Mm-hmm. And I will say this too, if you watch this movie, I highly recommend watching The Disaster Artist because it will give you a whole another level of looking at this movie. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, uh, I, I totally agree with you where it's just like, I, I don't know Tommy at all. 
but from watching the room and the disaster artists, I feel like I have a decent idea and it's just like this movie is him. Like it yeah. just like how you said it, how he made this movie his way. He totally did. Like it is unlike anything else you will ever see. Yeah. You're not going to see any, um, Oh, how do they say that? Like changes from studio changes. Mm-hmm. Like, like studio executives trying to make changes in the movie because there was no studio executives. It was just Tommy. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the th- and honestly, like not to get too far into kind of like final thoughts on everything, but it's just like it's so unfortunate that Hollywood doesn't allow, doesn't give opportunities like this. Because yeah. it's like, look what this guy did. He made something no one else has ever like how many people can say that they've made something that no one else has like been able to capture. I don't even know what it is. Like, I don't even know what to say this movie captured, but it ca- it is a movie of its own. And if you had more people given the opportunity where people were giving risks for people to create new content, mm-hmm. you could maybe get more unique things like this. So that I got to definitely give it credit for, but. <clears throat> yeah. And I like at the beginning of the disaster artist where they show celebrities talking about this movie <laughs> and I can't remember who it was. It was an actress who said you could take the greatest filmmakers in the world and have them make this movie and it would not turn out this way. Like, <laughs> like you could not purposely try to make a movie like this. Yeah. Like everything just had to fall together. Um, so I guess a good segue would be to talk about some of the acting, um, between good and great, because I mean, we're doing awesomely bad. So anything that's bad is also going to be great. <laughs> um, I had that. I thought I generally thought the woman that played Lisa was halfway decent at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the dialogue is atrocious. Yeah. It's like some of the worst dialogue you're ever going to hear in a movie. But I thought, as far as the actors, she was one of the best, aside from the guy who plays Chris R, <laughs> who really only has like one scene. Yeah, well, it's uh, uh, he's like a he's like a drug dealer, and he's like crazy intense. I thought he was probably the best actor in the whole movie. I would probably agree with that. Yeah, the thing is, Lisa captured her character of being someone to hate. Like she successfully did that and her delivery sometimes was really good. I think it was um, when she was being uh, just an absolute jerk and stuck up. Yeah. Like she, she captured it. Um, Her other stuff about being like passionate or compassionate or loving and seductive, (laughs) like it was unsuccessful and kind of drunk. (laughs) Or drunk, yeah. Which I love. What I love about that part is it's just like, what can we do for cliche drunk? Oh, let's put have somebody put a tie around their head. It's like <laughs> I, I was waiting for somebody to put a lampshade on their head at that right. point, Michael Scott style, right? Uh, and then like the rest of the cast, you could tell, like other than Tommy, they kind of phoned it in, probably towards <laughs> the end of shooting, um, because Greg, uh. Sestero said that like making this movie was 
really grueling at times. Mm -hmm. Just because of how wacky and off the wall Tommy is. And uh, how incredibly low budget it was. And like how sets were set up and everything. It was just physically, emotionally draining. Yeah. So you could kind of see that too. How some people kind of phoned it in. Um, well, I feel in the realm of acting and everything, it seemed like Greg phoned it in from the very beginning yeah. because his acting was very monotone throughout the entirety. <laughs> well, I mean, we found out because that episode of How Did This Get Made that he was on, he said that he wasn't even originally supposed to be in the movie. Yes, very true. Yeah. That's he, was another... be, he was supposed to be... Um, like a casting director and the like oh uh, it was a bunch of other things he was supposed to do too that he didn't even really know what the job was oh yeah the script uh it was a script producer line, or produ something? line, line producer or something yeah like that. something like that yeah yeah so but and he didn't um, even know what that was and he's because he, he, he said in the interview that he was doing everything from uh ordering pizzas for everybody <laughs> Mm -hmm. and then also um helping people rehearse their lines yeah uh for bringing that up that that was perfect because i almost forgot that like if, if you're going to experience this movie the room i highly recommend watching the room watching the disaster artist and then listening to the episode about this movie from the podcast how did this get made because all three of those combined i combined all of those since sunday Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and I wrapped up the podcast episode today on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So much great content to just fully immerse yourself in what this movie was and is. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning, too, that Greg wrote a book about making The Room, which was turned into the movie The Disaster Artist. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that yeah. the book turned into... Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, he wrote a book which was turned into the movie um, starring James Franco and Dave Franco. But, uh, so, I mean, back to the acting. Every, some people phoned it in. Uh, the one person that definitely did not phone it in is Tommy. <laughs> that's for uh, sure. His acting is probably the worst I have ever seen. Uh, I told my brother that Tommy makes Hulk Hogan look like Tom Hanks. <laughs> oh man, I feel so bad. Like that's the other thing too, is like you watch the movie and then you watch the disaster artist. And I, I want to believe that the disaster artist is a pretty good depiction of how this whole process went. Like, yeah. of course, probably not a hundred percent accurate, but it's just like, man, at some points you feel for Tommy where it's just like, Oh, you just want it to work. And then other times like Tommy, as Tommy is a complete jerk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, he, he, he missed, it was, he missed like the <laughs> whole entire time. Well, like I said, is he even human? Um, yeah. So Tommy says that the disaster artist is 99.9% .9 accurate. That, that makes me feel good. <laughs> I, I, I kind of enjoy hearing that because I thought it was doing such a good job and I was like, wow, if this is accurate, this is rather amazing. Yeah, but I can't remember what his point one percent was <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, yeah. Uh, so the poster of the movie too, <laughs> which is like Tommy. It looks like he's been up for about thirty six hours, 
He always looks like he's been up for 36 hours. Uh, well, his one eye is like closed farther than his other one. It's a terrible picture. Uh, well, ta- you, got uh, that, you got that awesome font that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. <laughs> well, uh, to keep going with acting, to touch on a couple other of the main characters, um, Lisa's mom was a, a one to throw in the decent ring. Yeah, Claudette. Um, yeah, a little she, wooden at times, but again, like the dialogue was so bad. Oh yeah, I I fully believe that most of her shortcomings were from the dialogue, not her delivery. Uh, now, granted, it wasn't like anything like Oscar performance, but she articulated and she got dynamic, um, and really got into it. The funny thing, though, that was a running thing with her character, and again, this is about the writing and production or the writing and directing of it, not her as the character, but she would come in, have a short conversation and always be like, Oh, I have to go. And it's just like, okay, if we're thinking about this in a real life situation, you essentially just like drove across town to meet your daughter and you sit down with her for three or four minutes, maybe. And then you're like, Oh, I have to go. It's like no one does this that many times where they regularly plan to go visit someone where they don't have even a mere five minutes to spend with them. Like, it's just like, how are you so busy that you can, they, they tried to close the gap all the time on people being like, Oh, I have to go. And it's like, you don't have to do that in a movie. (laughs) Like just have them do something like have the like transition, like make, make things that that's a huge thing in this movie. Nothing is natural. No, not at all. Everything's forced. Oh, man. Oh, so the font is called Review. Okay. <laughs> R-E-V-U-E. Um, yeah, it's pretty much like a clip art font. I'm looking at the poster right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm counting how many times Tommy's name is on the poster. So you get this big picture of Tommy where one of his eyes looks like it's lazy. Um. Uh, four, five, six. His name is on the poster seven times. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it says Wiseau Films, that it's got his name before the uh, name of the movie, uh, and that it's got produced by, um, written by, directed by, yeah, written by, Sorry. directed by, um, and that it's it's got the Wiseau Films logo on it too. <laughs> but yeah just ridiculous um and i would say the bit the greatest thing about this movie is the inadvertent humor which is oh, what yeah. we'll be getting into now <laughs> with uh i feel like with this one we got to combine the bad parts and our favorite scenes all together oh yeah there's this episode i have a feeling and i kind of like warned you up front where it's just like I don't know if we'll be able to keep it in an organized chaos because there's yeah. just so much. So yeah, I don't, wherever you want to go from here. Okay. Um, well, we mentioned how there's uh, three sex scenes in the first 26 minutes. Yep. <laughs> uh, those are incredibly awkward. And a very important thing. Um, if you are not uh, knowledgeable in the uh, action of 
making love, do not base anything off of what you see in this movie. Yeah, because it looks like Tommy's just humping her belly button. Yeah, because there is nothing, again, there's nothing natural about this movie. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, then his second sex scene where he's got the rose yeah. <laughs> that he just like keeps rubbing up against her <laughs> is so incredibly awkward. Uh, the music during it. Oh, boy. Yeah, during all of them. Oh, yeah. So, well, the one that, I, that made me laugh the most, um, I believe, was in the first one. The the lyrics where it says, I would stand in front of a bullet. I would run through a forest of flames. I would climb the highest of mountains just to show you I love you. I will. <laughs> just repeated. Uh, just the corniest early 2000s R&B that you can think of. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I guess, man, how do we like structure this anyway i i, I yeah i don't know we're if just going... gonna go random parts because that's kind of the best thing we can do i think so um when lisa it's so like they have like this scene where he shows up and gives her a dress and he keeps calling her princess and stuff and then denny walks in and denny's supposed to be this young boy that tommy is taking care of but there's no context. Yeah, you have no, no idea who this person is. Plus, Denny is supposed to be... How old is he supposed to be? Like, 18? Yeah, he's supposed to be 18, Going but... to college, because Tommy's going to pay for his tuition. Yeah. But then he also looks like he's about 35. With but a at the boy's same time, haircut. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, you look at him, and it's just like, okay, is he supposed to be this age, or are they trying to make him younger? Yeah. Because, yeah, when he came in, I was just kind of like, okay, is this like... Lisa's younger brother is this maybe Lisa's kid from a previous relationship like are they really trying to do that like these were thoughts I was actually thinking and then it got really weird and he just barges in like Kramer and Seinfeld like doesn't <laughs> knock or anything just walks right in uh and Tommy and Lisa are having like a moment after he gives her this like dress to wear and it's obvious that they're gonna go off and do it and like uh, they're like, oh, I'm tired. Let's go take a nap. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll join you. And then uh, Denny like wants to join them. And then like he comes upstairs when they're like having like a pillow fight and like flirting and everything. And <laughs> it's like, don't you have somewhere else to be? Or do you have something else to do? And he's like, I just like to watch you guys. <laughs> oh my gosh, so, <laughs> so awkward. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then he leaves, and that's when we get the first awkward uh, sex scene. Oh man, there's so many awkward lines in this too. Like I don't even know where to start with that. Oh, I know where to start. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely know where to start. Okay. Um, one one thing that I was mentioning to you today, and I think it's worth mentioning now. Um, you could probably listen to this entire movie and be almost as entertained as you are watching it because um on the podcast i don't think we'll do it on here but on the podcast of how did this get made they played a couple dialogue parts and i was cracking up just listening to it because yeah. it it makes it even more awkward when you don't get to see what's happening 
And I think one of the first best things to set this example is when Tommy, um, Johnny goes to the flower shop (laughs) and I, I'm not going to try to quote the whole thing and everything, but this probably has to be the most awkward conversation in the entire movie, line delivery and everything from Johnny and the store owner. And it's two, just two people reciting lines. It doesn't even sound like a conversation because there's times where they overlap a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Like he, it, no one, I, and watching the disaster artist, I can understand why they probably didn't do more takes or couldn't have a successful one because it was probably just so difficult to get anything to be somewhat usable. Yeah. But it was just like, no, if you stop and you just close your eyes and you listen to it, it's just like no one in their right mind ever has a conversation like this. <laughs> Again, not natural. Yep. It's so insane. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I liked it a dozen roses. Oh, hey, Johnny, I didn't realize it was you. Here you go. <laughs> oh, how much That's is me. it? $18. Oh, here's your change. Uh, or here's the money. Keep the change. Bye, doggy. You're my favorite customer. <laughs> okay, <It's> bye. Like... <laughs> he walks out. <laughs> I like to what I noticed in that scene, watching it the third time now, um, is he walks off carrying the roses upside down. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. He carries the bouquet of roses upside down. <laughs> oh, man. So even that is just like, not natural at all. No, it's funny because I was watching this and it, it also another thing that makes this just this scene so amazing is how fast it is. Yeah. I should have timed it. It is so fast. I I went through the scene and then the whole like um bye doggy. Oh, your fa- my favorite customer. Bye happened so fast. I had to go back and rewatch it because I was just like, who was saying what and what actually happened? And is he, the favorite customer goes in there all the time. There's a dog at the store and you call it doggy. Like it doesn't have a name. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, so many questions. Oh, I have to mention too. So I don't know if this is in my trivia or not, because I got tons of trivia for this movie. (laughs) I bet. Um, That's, that woman was actually working at the flower shop and wasn't an actual actress. I am not surprised at all. And that was actually her dog too. <laughs> Did it have a name? I, I don't know. Hi, doggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I guess once we got that one out, um, I will say that my favorite line is after Lisa like turns on Tommy. And for no apparent reason, by the way, yep. she just like glares at him after they have sex one time and he's sleeping. And then after that, she tells her mom how she doesn't um, love him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, she starts telling people that Tommy got drunk and hit her. Which, uh, uh, which, by the way, she tells her mom and her mom doesn't give a crap. Yeah, pretty much. She's just like, I don't believe that. Like, you need to stay with him because he supports you financial security it's okay yeah. if he hits you right 
like uh, 1940s anyways. here. Yeah. Um, we get <laughs> one of the scenes that happened on the notorious roof of the building, which we see a few times. Um, it is worth mentioning in this movie. There is not very many set pieces. There's Tommy's apartment. There's the roof um, on the street. There's a scene in a park. And then um, the flower shop and a coffee shop. That's like six places. <laughs> yeah. So we get him going up on a roof and he delivers one of the most ridiculous lines series like ever. And <laughs> another thing of not being natural. He says, I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> like he's carrying an empty water bottle up the stairs for some reason <laughs> with no label on it. And he just throws it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It's so beautiful. Like, I. The, the delivery is incredible. I just. You, you couldn't plan that. Like, you you just couldn't. It just happened, and it was, like, perfection. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, In the scene where she gets Tommy to drink, he comes home, and he's upset because he didn't get a promotion. She's like, you know what you need? And he says, what's that? He's like, a drink. And she's like, he says, you know I don't drink, and then laughs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she pours him a drink. Uh, did you notice, like, okay, what was the mixer for the drink that she poured? I could She's pouring tell. either, like, white rum or vodka into a glass. But the glass, like, the stuff in the glass is kind of like a, like a light tan, almost like ginger ale. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Like, it's not Coke or anything, because it's too light to be Coke. It, it almost looks like scotch. <laughs> and Iced <then> she, tea? <laughs> The way she like fills up half the cup with the alcohol, that's like four shots that she put in there. <laughs> and they both get drunk and then that's when we get her with the tie on her head and we get another amazing line in that series too where um Oh, what is it? Do you want me to order a pizza? I don't care. I already ordered one. Huh, you think of everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would she even say do you want me to order a pizza when she already did and then why would his response be you think of everything because they were crazy drunk oh wait they hadn't drank yet yeah they act crazier when they're not drunk <coughs> oh gosh some of Lisa's dialogue too when she's talking on the phone she calls Mark after the first time she's upset with Tommy. And she's like, I want to do what I want to do. And that's it. What do you think I should do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought about that. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that one until the second time around. And then I really laughed at it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, and the whole scene, too, where he's talking about not getting a promotion. She says, at least you have friends. No one called me today. You're right. The computer business is just too competitive. <laughs> oh, man. And Tommy works at a bank. Like, I can't even... 
or I keep saying Tommy, but I mean, the character's name is Johnny. Johnny, Tom, yeah, no, yeah, it'll happen. It's Tommy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he works at a bank. Like, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine this guy having a job because of how incredibly awkward everything it is he says and how strange he is. I know, right? I, I don't even know where you could. Let alone something in customer service. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Um, another of my favorite lines is when um, Tommy and Greg, or Tommy and Mark, I guess, Ma- Johnny and Ma- Mark, a.k.a. Tommy and Greg, go to a coffee shop. <laughs> and the whole scene itself is awkward. Mm-hmm. Because they walk in and like they're kind of in the background and there's other people ordering a drink. And it it's almost like they hid the cameras at a real coffee shop and just filmed like these random people that came in to get an actual coffee. Right. Well that um, like and if that's true, then that makes more sense. But it's just kind of like if anybody did any kind of research or had watched enough movies whatsoever at all, you don't do that in movies. Like you, you focus on your main characters, everybody in the background just fakes talking. Like they're not really talking. They're faking stuff. You don't hear what other people are ordering. It's fake background stuff. But this one was, it just stuck out so much because you hear the full order and you're waiting there for the main characters to get to the front of the line. And it's just like a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah, like, you don't think about those things until you see it done the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I like how um, Johnny and Mark are supposed to be best friends, but they don't even, like, interact with each other until almost an hour into the movie. Right. Uh, But in the the coffee scene, the conversation they have is just hilarious. So Mark says, how was work today? Oh, pretty good. We got a new client, and the bank will make lots of money. What client? I cannot tell you. It's confidential. Oh, come on. Why not? No, I can't. Anyway, how's your sex life? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. The dramatic turn it takes. (laughs) Um, That was one of my really remember for the first time I watched this. Oh, my gosh. Who? No, like, I have. No one. No one. Not natural. Never had that. That's not natural. No, I mean, like, as I've talked about this before, like, I feel like women think that guys just talk about sex all the time, Mm -hmm. but they, I feel like in reality that women talk about sex more with their friends than guys talk about with their friends, especially if they're either married or in a serious relationship. Yeah. Like they don't share any of that kind of stuff. No, like in high, like guys talked a lot about it in high school. Yeah. Um, and most of it's made up. (laughs) Yeah. Most of it's made up. It's like bragging stuff. It's just ridiculous. It's stupid in high school. After high school, like you don't care and really talk about it anymore. Yeah. And I definitely wouldn't say to a friend, um, like completely out of nowhere. So how's your sex life? I know. Like you would, you would say something like, Hey, how's your relationship going? Or, Hey, I, I, how are things going with girls or how's your dating life? Like yeah. uh, something like that. You're like, who, who cares about the sex life? Like, 
<laughs> it's it's oh my word like oh gosh it's like the writer has never had a normal conversation no i mean he's not a normal person so true um and then a the whole scene with chris r asking Denny for money and he holds a gun to his head and tommy just comes out of nowhere and like wrestles the guy uh and chris r is like so incredibly intense with denny but when Tommy's there, he's just like, he kind of just gives up. Tommy mm-hmm. and Mark kind of like haul him off and they're going to go take him to the police. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just like calling the police, subduing him and calling the police. Because um, he's got to uh, depict uh, Tommy the hero. Yeah. Or Johnny like, the hero or whatever. Yeah. And I like how Claudette, um, Lisa's mom, just goes and starts lecturing Denny and like she just literally met him. Mm-hmm. she's like what kind of drugs do you take what the hell is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like stop kicking up on me it has like a breakdown over it oh yeah um, i had down in my notes crying yelling stop crying more yelling more crying <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of that kind of stuff in this um dramatic and drastic changes in emotion All and time. one of them that really sticks out to me is when Greg, aka Mark, and Peter are on the roof and they're having a conversation and Peter realizes that Greg has been sleeping with Lisa and Greg, aka Mark, is sitting there like smoking weed and he offers it to him and he's like, no, I don't do that. And he's kind of like ridiculing him a little bit, but then like Mark flies off the handle and starts like fighting with Peter and he threatens, he grabs him by the shirt and he starts trying to push him over the edge of the roof yeah <laughs> and he's like what the hell are you trying to do and then like all of a sudden he just snaps out of it and he's like there it is basically it's like oh it's cool and uh i'm sorry about that all right so let's talk about your problem <laughs> yeah don't worry about it. no 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 is no big deal yeah <laughs> Like that happens several times during this movie because there's also a fight between um, Mark and Johnny. Oh my gosh! And uh, and we'll talk. I don't know if we want to talk about that now, but basically the same thing where it's just like this big intense moment. Then it's just like, oh, okay, we're still friends. Yeah. Oh, and also it happened with Lisa too. They yeah. had a big fight, and then she like leaves the room. I don't know if she left the apartment or whatever, but she was leaving the room and. Uh, Johnny was just like, it's okay. I, you know, I still love you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what? It, like, you guys just had like a brutal argument and just no big deal. Is it, That's right after he does the, the classic, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> yes. It's one, okay. I still love you. <laughs> that, that for me is definitely the most memorable line and probably his best delivery but um well, yeah because he was just doing a, a james dean ripoff <laughs> yeah, which right. we find out more of in uh the disaster artist right uh, it's funny because at <laughs> this part when we're talking about you uh you drive me crazy but don't worry about it i still love you and you're tearing yeah. me apart in that whole thing i one of my notes is who wrote this dialogue <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> yes. Oh, so I guess we might as well talk about it when you mentioned um, the fight between Mark and Tommy mm-hmm. and Johnny. 
um, right before it's at, at his birthday party that Lisa sets up. She doesn't want to do the birthday party because she's not in love with him anymore. And then she says how she hates him. <laughs> and then like he walks in and they're singing happy birthday and everything. And like towards the end of the party, he's like, says to Lisa, he's like, thank you for the party. You invited all my friends. Good thinking. <laughs> who, the hell's, who the hell else would she invite to your party? <laughs> Everybody he hates, apparently. Yeah, right. Uh, and then we get the awkward fight where it's basically just them grabbing each other's arms and wrestling back and forth. <laughs> get your shoulder shoving. <laughs> Don't touch me, motherfucker. <laughs> get one of those. You bastard. I hate you. Oh, man. You betray me. Uh, and then we get one of my favorite lines, too. He's like, where Mark says, This is over. And Tommy's like, It's not over. Everybody betray me. I fed up with this world. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly like how it's delivered too just like rapid fire it just his the tone of his voice like how it switches (laughs) it's just so bad i don't know like i don't know if it's like he thinks of the next thing to say and then doesn't realize how he's saying it so like he he switches to what he's going to say next but he doesn't realize how to keep the same inflection going i don't know it like yeah you you have to see it to to not understand it but to experience it there's there's (laughs) no no better way to do it uh uh, also with a fight scene i'm surprised we've gone this far without mentioning this um a few times in the movie uh but especially in the fight scene where johnny says you're just a chicken. Cheep, 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 cheep. Oh, <laughs> the chicken. Oh, that is like a recurring thing in this. Um, why? Like, why? I mean, once was bad enough, and then they kept doing it. I was like, how? How did this keep going? Yeah, and like, I think the first time it happens is when they're playing. They're playing football because they play football a lot in this. It's just basically <laughs> playing catch, but they're only like three feet apart. Nobody plays catch like that. Nobody. Yeah. And then why are they in tuxedos at one point? I thought when I first saw this, like, okay, this is Tommy's wedding, right? Right. Like Johnny and Lisa's wedding. But no, like they're just in tuxes. And like Mark shows up and he shaved his beard. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how good he looks and everything with his beard off. Clean shaven. And then Peter's like, playing football in a tux? Yeah, no thanks. And then Tommy says something about, like, you could play at any time. Like, it's not a big deal. And Peter falls down, and they're all checking on him. He's like, do you need to go to the hospital? He's like, no. He's like, I'm out of here. And then he leaves. <laughs> and then he never see that character again. <laughs> <laughs> I give up. Well, then the other thing, too, is that uh, I can't remember the other character, and we do not need to go into his whole story. But that other guy, when they were quote-unquote playing catch and he just randomly falls into trash cans oh yeah because well mark grabbed the ball and slammed it into the guy <laughs> he just like body checks him and the guy falls over the guy's name's mike okay uh, we get a funny scene with mike too where like him and his girlfriend michelle for some reason go to tommy's i can't figure out their age either because they're going to do their homework. So are they high schoolers or are they college students? I'm guessing college because she seems to be friends with Lisa and her age. So. Yeah. And they go to 
Tommy in Lisa's uh, apartment. And they're like, make it out. And then like, she's going down on him and he's making this ridiculous face. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it other than that. And then shortly after that is when Lisa and her mom show up. And it's when he's explaining that is when explaining the awkward thing that happened when Mark like body checks him and then falls over. <laughs> and you don't ever really see him later on either. Yeah, I think he was maybe at the birthday party. I don't Might know. Might have been. Good thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of the football, the numerous football scenes, did you notice that it was a Nike football that they put duct tape over? No, I didn't notice. Oh my it gosh, was like black like gaffer's tape over it. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I, I didn't notice that until like, I think the third time I watched it. So, uh, the funny thing to talk about with the birthday party is when Lisa and Mark get uh, busted, <laughs> yeah, by the new random friend. I don't even know who it was. Yeah, just some um, random guy. <laughs> and they're like arguing with him essentially, and I think it was Mark. He said, leave your stupid comments in your pocket. (laughs) (laughs) What? It reminded me of Seinfeld where um, George Costanza, like, I think it was when he was dating Susan and he was engaged to her. She's like, you stuff your sorries in a sack, mister. (laughs) (laughs) It made me think of that. You keep your comments in your pocket. Like, what? Oh. Uh, so, more scenes that are just ridiculous. Um, we already mentioned the coffee shop. Then the uh, jogging with each other while playing football <laughs> was so natural. I, I had down, oh, where is it? Uh, something like, there's nothing more special then two guys bonding over a game of catch with football. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, when Johnny tackles him. <laughs> when they're in that random park. Yes. Yeah, that was just incredibly awkward, too. Um, also, what cracks me up is that Johnny is recording everything with tape recorders. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, Somehow can get both parts of the conversation, mm-hmm. like of what someone's saying on the phone. Like I don't know if he took the phone in the other room and held it up to the tape recorder. Yeah, no, I didn't really understand exactly how it worked. I know more than you think I know, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what kind of starts the fart, the fight. But um, <laughs> we get two, so they have like one fight, and then they break each other up, and then. Johnny apologizes. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, we're still friends. And then he like shakes hands with Mark. And he like doesn't want to ruin the party. And then people are dancing. And then Lisa is like dancing with Mark and she's like all up on him. And then like Johnny is just like, okay, this isn't happening. Yeah. And nobody else is <laughs> weirded out by it. it. Yeah. Like no one says anything. Well, everybody but Johnny knows about it. And that's when he get his, you betray me. <laughs> I'm fed up with this world. <laughs> well, the uh, it was shortly after that is then when he and Lisa are having their fight. Oh, yeah, because he goes and he locks himself in the bathroom. 
that's what it yeah. is and then everybody leaves and blah blah and then they have another fight and he confronts her about the recording and blah 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 and then one of my favorite line deliveries um it, it's kind of mixed in with everything and it doesn't stand out as great as the others i'm gonna try to capture it um but i know i'm not gonna do it justice but essentially he's arguing with her and he's like i gave you seven years of my life <laughs> And it's just like, what? Yeah, that's right up there with a, I did not. <laughs> oh, and then you have like his freak out where he just starts destroying everything in the house. Oh, yes. The um, tantrum. It's very, and- remin- very reminiscent of Dewey Cox. I was waiting for him to rip off a sink off the wall and smash it on the floor. Nice. Uh, I will say that this does have the one and single only unique shot in the entire movie film shot and that is where they are filming johnny by pointing the camera at a mirror and getting him in the reflection that yeah. is probably the only unique shot that is done in the entire movie yeah and then he breaks the mirror mm. and that he's that he sits on the floor and he pulls out this box that's got a gun in it and he's like talking to himself He's having flashbacks of all this stuff with Lisa. No. And then he grabs the dress and he like grinds it on his crotch. <laughs> and then he, he pulls the gun and then he shoots himself. Um, and then like instantly, instantly Lisa and Mark rush in. And they're like, wake up, Tommy. No, wake up. <laughs> like, you heard a gunshot. You see blood everywhere. And you're seeing him wake up. Yeah. And after they finally realize he's dead. And then we get to do it again when Denny comes in. Yeah. And I will say that, like, at least the guy who played Denny, like, did a pretty decent job at that. Yeah. Like, I, I would You could tell he was, like, really, like, broken up over it. But still, he said, wake up, wake up, too. Yeah. It's like, dude, there's a big enough hole in the back of his head for you to, like, punch your like, fist through. Yeah, the dude's brain's got to be on the wall. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's got to be something like that. Uh, I like, too, when he flops down on the bed and there's absolutely no covers on it. It's just a bare mattress. Well, he took all the cover, the sheets and the blankets off. Oh, okay. I guess I kind of missed that part. That, yeah, that was part of his tantrum, which was okay. unique tantrum. because it's just like, what? <laughs> Okay. I'm fed up with this world. <laughs> you oh, betray gosh. me. Everyone betray. <laughs> yeah, he just he doesn't say betrays. He says betray or betrayal. It's just betray. You betray me. Oh gosh. There was something else that popped in my head. Oh. So we'll, we'll we talk gotta talk quickly about the sex scenes. But the first one that Lisa has with Mark is on a spiral staircase. Yeah. Like, how uncomfortable would that be? And then, like, the second they get done, um, we show them, like, dressed again, and then Mark says, I can't believe you did this to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, you were there, you didn't make that decision, too? Yep. I like I the conversation he has with Tommy, too, where he's just like, um, do you think women like to cheat like just like men do (laughs) like it's a blanket statement like all men just love cheating on their girlfriends yeah and then uh well lisa's mom yeah so many blanket statements because then lisa's mom is just like 
uh, nobody marries for love or yeah. something along those lines or whatever. And it's just like, okay. Yeah. Uh, then we get a great one by Mark too. And I don't remember word for word, but he's just like, says how all women are either too dumb, too smart, or just plain evil. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Uh, it was about that time too, where I realized like what happened to Tommy Wiseau's life? Like for him to put that in a movie, like it almost seems bi- like autobiographical at times. Oh yeah. Yep. That's what, and that's what they address too. And, uh, in the podcast and in the disaster yeah. artists that they feel like some of this, if not a majority of it is from life experience. Yeah. Oh gosh. Now, one thing that hasn't been mentioned um, that I want to make sure to fit in here is that this movie, part of the reason that makes it so bizarre and clunky is because it was, I honestly thought I was watching a soap opera. Yeah. Like the lighting was all over the place and the entrances and exits of characters was super bizarre um but then uh, the podcast made the interesting note of being like comparing it to a play yeah and that seemed more accurate because also like the way people were standing together and grouped during scenes it, it was just i mean they were deliberately doing it from the camera angles but there was like no attempt to make it seem natural again i'm saying that like nothing about this is natural but it makes a lot more sense from the aspect of seeing it and viewing it like a play. Yeah, that's why we get a lot of, oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hey, Peter. Oh, I gotta go. Hi, Johnny. Oh, I gotta go. Yeah. Let's have a two-minute conversation. I gotta go. Yeah. Oh, um, I wanted to hang out with uh, Johnny for a little while. Is he here? No, he'll be here in a minute, though. Oh, okay. Well, I gotta go. Yeah, I got a meeting. <laughs> uh, just ridiculous. I forgot to mention, too, with the whole conversation that Mark has with Johnny about um, whether or not women like to cheat like men. He's like, oh, I heard a story about this woman who was dating a guy, but then she had like 11 other guys on the side. And one of them found out and beat her so bad they had to take her to the hospital. And then Johnny's just like, <laughs> great story, Mark. <laughs> Like, it's not, it's not funny. And they, they talked about that scene in the disaster artist too, where they're like, they called cut and they're like, Tommy, like, this isn't a funny story. Yeah. Why are you laughing? Like, why are you laughing? And he's like, okay. And then they do it again. And he just has the same reaction. Yeah. And then what do you say? Oh, people, people act crazy. Yeah. People do weird thing. <laughs> Something like he that. He just to justify everything. Like, everything makes sense in his mind. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Man, I'm sure there's, like, so much other stuff, but I, I feel like I've covered everything that I had on my mind. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, there are some thing, other things I could definitely talk about, but I know that you've got all facts and trivia stuff, and we've already gone quite a while, so I think we should keep <laughs> moving forward. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm taking a glance at my notes here, too, to make sure I didn't miss something. Oh, I had that, that Chris R., I thought, was probably the best actor in the movie, and he's the only person that isn't an actor. 
other than the flower shop lady. Because the guy who played Chris R. was not an actor at all. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that goes to show you how great this movie was. Uh, so trivia and facts. So according to Greg, uh, Sestero, Tommy Wiseau submitted the film to Paramount Pictures, hoping that they could get them on board as a distributor. Usually it takes about two weeks to get a reply from a studio. Uh, this movie, however, got rejected within 24 hours. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, gosh. So towards the end of the Los Angeles portion of the shoot, uh, morale among the crew was so low that Todd Barron's name was not listed on the clapperboard. Uh, take numbers were not being recorded. Giggling crew members wandered in and out of shots. And the entire scenes were out of focus simply because no one bothered to check the lens. <laughs> I noticed that some of them were blurry, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Tommy Wiseau, Denny has some sort of mental disorder, which explains his behavior in the film. Uh, he didn't bother mentioning this to Philip uh, Haldeman, who played Denny during production. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, man. So, uh, this was a, kind of a big thing they showed in The Disaster Artist, but this movie was shot simultaneously on 35mm film and high-definition video. Uh, Tommy Wiseau was confused about the differences between the two formats, but he decided to use both of them as he wanted to be the first director to shoot on film and HD simultaneously. Uh, in order to do that, he had a custom mount constructed to house both cameras, um, unaware that they would need different crew and lighting setup for each. He also purchased the cameras instead of renting them, as film productions usually do. Uh, the cost of the HD camera alone was $100,000. Uh, despite this, the only footage shot in a 35mm film was eventually used. Go figure. Yeah. According to Juliet Danielle, who plays Lisa, uh, when Tommy said the line, in a few minutes pitch, everyone on set began laughing at him. Um, Wiseau came out of the bathroom and demanded to know what was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, Tommy Wiseau was adamant about the shot of him getting out of bed and walking naked to the bathroom. He said, I have to show my ass or this movie won't sell, which was <laughs> documented in The Disaster Artist. Oh, man. Uh, he did numerous takes of the scene, refusing to move on until crew, the crew demanded he do so. Um, the editor, Eric Chase, later tried to convince Tommy to cut the shot claiming it scared Chase's wife. <laughs> uh, much of Tommy Wiseau's dialogue was dubbed in post because he couldn't remember his lines uh, and he had to read cue cards. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, which was obvious in a lot of things. It, the audio did not match, and a lot of times his mouth did not even move when he was talking. Yeah. Uh, in a year since his release, Tommy Wiseau claims that the film was meant to be a comedy of the so-bad-it's-good elements. Uh, right. The rest of the cast suspects that Wiseau is attempting to deflect from the fact that his epic drama was not received in a way that he intended, which is definitely true. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, the woman in the flower shop was not an actress, but a woman who actually worked there. According to Greg uh, Sestero and Tommy Wiseau, 
upon seeing the dog, asked if it was a real thing. <laughs> Tommy wanted to know if it was real, living, actual dog. <laughs> uh, so after low ticket sales, the film was almost immediately pulled from cinemas. Uh, Tommy Wiseau paid to keep the film playing in one cinema for two weeks so it could be eligible for Oscar nominations. <laughs> this it just proved, takes two weeks? Right. I guess. This proved to be a fruitless attempt um, as the film did not receive any nominations. Ironically, The Disaster Artist, the film that was based on uh, Greg Sestero's book, received one Oscar nomination for Best Adapted Screenplay. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> During the Love is Blind scene, uh, Peter seems dazed and frequently reaches out to touch things while moving around the room. This is because uh, the actor Kyle Vaught had struck his head on the spiral staircase while rehearsing and suffered a concussion. Uh, Tommy Wiseau, who was angry with Vaught because he was about to quit the film in honor of prior commitment, would not let him leave for treatment. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, so Tommy claims to have financed the film by importing and selling leather jackets from South Korea. Um, he was, or he has consistently refused to elaborate on this. However, according to Greg Sestero's book, The Disaster Artist, uh, Tommy already independent was already independently wealthy when production began, having amassed a fortune over several years of entrepreneurship and uh, real estate development in and around Los Angeles and San Francisco. Hmm. Uh, I heard something um, in the uh, podcast saying uh, something about him also having like a financial backer. Yeah, which was his um, ESL teacher, his yeah. English second language teacher. Yeah, which is like bizarre to me. It's just like, who the heck are these people with this money? Come on. Yeah, and... um. Gosh, what was her name? They said what her name was. Chloe something or another. Because it was uh, Chloe Productions. <laughs> yeah, she was in the credits somehow, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Philip Heldman, who played Denny, is actually older than Greg uh, Sestero, Juliet, Danielle, and Mike Holmes, who um, they never clarify though that he is roughly 10 years younger than the other characters. <laughs> but he's older than the real people. So, the phrase, oh hi, is spoken nine times, and oh hey, is spoken seven times. <laughs> uh, the rooftop scenes were um, shot entirely on sets built in a parking lot with a green screen used for the San Francisco or skyline because of Tommy Wiseau's um, unpredictable nature, the rooftop set was dismantled at least three times, only to be rebuilt when Wiseau announced that there were still scenes to be shot. Oh my word. Which stalled production and inflated the budget even more. Uh, the crew had no way of knowing how many scenes were set in each location because Tommy refused to let anyone see the entire script, which was extremely vague about the subject in any case. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So Mark was named after Matt Damon because Tommy Wiseau was obsessed with Damon as an actor but misheard his first name. Oh my word. Yeah. 
<laughs> a lot of the film's dialogue was dubbed in, which is why many out-of-sync um, scenes, particularly involving Johnny, like I mentioned, he had to read from cue cards, um, and he had many issues with memorizing lines, uh, and the sound crew was reportedly plagued with like the difficulties. And, like, the sound engineer, it was, like, his first movie, basically. <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh, the film contains just over ten minutes of sex scenes, about ten percent of the total runtime. That's it? I feel like it was yeah. longer. I felt like it was longer, too. Um, Greg Sestero said, if you can make it through the sex scenes, the rest of the movie is pretty entertaining for how bad it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I fully agree. I feel like if somebody did a cut of this movie and just took out the sex scenes, like it would be, I, and we kind of talked about this, like I could rewatch it all the time. Yeah. Just even if they just like cut them to what a normal movie sex scene would be <laughs> like, you know, three seconds or something like that. Yeah. Fade to black, like the... start it, fade to black, call it good. Yeah. And then show them laying in bed afterwards. Yeah. Um, so while filming the fight between Johnny and Mark, uh, Tommy Wiseau really was hurting Greg Sestero. Uh, by the end of it, Sestero's forearms and wrists were covered in bruises. He said it was due to Tommy Wiseau's cyborg-like strength. <laughs> uh, in addition, Johnny shoving Mark to the ground and against the door was spontaneous move by Wiseau. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's to mention, too, that Tommy Wiseau is like incredibly ripped in this movie. <laughs> Yeah. And so it's believable that he had crazy strength. Uh, and the last thing I got is this movie had a $6 million budget. And it made 549000 in the box office. Man. Yeah, $6 million bucks. Biggest... Um, biggest flop? I don't know. I think Cutthroat Island... Might have the record for biggest flop, like money wise, because it costs so much. Yeah. But, um, so grades. I pulled from IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think they are? I think I accidentally saw IMDb. Was it like three point one? Three point six. What? No way. Yeah. No freaking way. Uh, and then Rotten Tomatoes. Um, critic, ten percent, twenty six. Shut. I'm shocked. Shut up. No freaking way. The <laughs> critic for the Wicker Man was fifteen, and No Holds Barred was ten. There's no freaking way that this is twenty six. Yeah, because those are at least were competent movies. Yeah. I call BS. Anyways, um, audience, man, this is going to be tricky because, okay, tell me this. Does it factor in the cult following? A little bit. Okay. So I'll it's say not it's higher like, than critic. Okay. So it's, it's not an absolute like bomb and it's also not going to be like a stellar, um, 35%. 47. Oh, well. which I agree with. Um, I guess I'll go first because I know you and I talked about this before <laughs> we started. Um, and I know you probably have more to say than I do. Uh, yeah, this movie is completely and utterly ridiculous. 
Um, like I said, if you were to make a movie, or, or if an alien was to make a movie with not knowing what a movie is, and you were to explain it to them in like 30 seconds, this is probably what they would come up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the dialogue is incredibly clunky and awkward, uh, and full of things that normal people would not do. Uh, and it just adds to the entertainment value of this movie. Uh, I agree. The sex scenes are a little hard to get used to or to get through, I guess. Especially when there's four of them. And there are like three back to back to back. <laughs> uh, that's a little rough. Um, I mean, while those are hilarious as well, they're also incredibly awkward. Um, like I said, they're a little, they're more over the top than any even like 80s slasher movie I've ever seen, which are sometimes known for gratuitous nudity. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, once you get through those, like the movie is really entertaining. Oh, gosh, man, I couldn't give it anything other than a five out of five. It's so incredibly terrible that it's great. And yet yeah, definitely has a cult following. Rock. So what about you? Well, um, I'm right there with you where it's just like, this movie is not good, but it is awesomely bad. Um, and it has what we've talked about before, where it's got the entertainment factor. It is entertaining to watch. But there's just something about this movie, and that's where it's just like it is a Tommy movie. Like mm-hmm. nobody else could do this movie other than Tommy and it's not something that you would be like, Oh, they should try to remake like make another movie this way because it's so great. Like they should repeat it. It's just the fact that something that no one else has done. Not very many people can say that, that they have made a movie that is unique within its own and like, something that nobody's done before and something that nobody's probably ever going to be able to do again. Now you would love to say that in the way of like, Oh, it's going to be Oscar winning recognized as a great movie (laughs) and be remembered forever. It's going to be remembered forever, but not for the good reasons. That being said, I could rewatch this movie so many times. I am super disappointed that I was not aware of this movie when it came out because this would have been an amazing, because my friends and I watched bizarre stuff mm-hmm. when, uh, when we were in high school and like when we were first in college and everything. And this would have been an amazing movie to experience with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I missed out on that. That that was, uh, kind of disappointing and unfortunate. But yeah, I could I could rewatch this and I would rewatch it more often, probably if uh you cut out the 10% of the sex scenes that are absolutely <laughs> unnecessary. But I know I'm going to be rewatching it. How soon I'm not sure, just because it's just like you can't fully capture what this movie is and how crazy it is without watching like you you forget about it. Like mm-hmm. I've, it's just been a couple of days and it's just like there was so much that I've forgotten so much of it and I need to know how bizarre it was again. Um, so I can easily give this a five out of five. 
easily. Rock. Yeah, it really hits on the um, inadvertent humor and someone trying to make a serious movie that is just so bad that it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Levels just like Miami Connection does. <laughs> and I got a question for you. Who's a better actor? YK Kim or Tommy Wiseau? <laughs> Why, YK Kim. Easily can say that. Because he at least has uh, is dynamic. Yeah. And he has a little bit of consistency where to- you never know what's going to happen with Tommy. Yeah, at least like YK Kim's like emotions match what he's trying to say. <laughs> it just has terrible English and his delivery is incredibly wooden. Yes. Where Tommy is just like up and down all over the place. And I thought we about all Tommy Wiseau, like <laughs> I thought that we all or orpens. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> oh gosh. Um I will say about Tommy Wiseau though, is how incredibly bizarre and awkward that guy is. He is really charismatic. He just yeah. has something that draws you in. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like they really embrace that in the disaster artist with how him and Greg met. Yeah. And how Greg saw him do this really bizarre performance of um, a Shakespeare sonnet. And like everybody was just floored by it, but he was like mesmerized by him and wanted to do a scene with him. Yeah. <laughs> and Tommy thought he was joking around with him, but he just wanted to like channel some of what Tommy had. Um, some of his commitment and just the fact he just didn't care and he just did it his way. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, I mean, the disaster artist, I give that a five out of five too. That was really good. Oh yeah, I, w- and I James would Franco well. was incredible as Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> oh yeah, like there were when he was wearing the sunglasses, like you almost couldn't tell yeah. that it was Franco. So out, yeah, absolutely outstanding. Uh, so I guess it's kind of an interesting thing we could do since we're wrapping up an awesomely bad month. Do you want to rank the stuff that we watched? Yeah. On rewatchability. Yeah. Yeah. You Uh, want to go first? You want me to go first? Sure. Yeah. I'll go first. So like, uh, awesomely bad month, you know, uh, always unique months. So from the rewatchability aspect, um, Room, definitely number one. I could watch that plenty of times. Probably after that for me would be The Wicker Man. Okay. Uh, A little bit long, uh, a little bit slow at times, but probably number two would be The Wicker Man. Um, uh, After that would be No Holds Barred. It's pretty close for those two, uh, but I would put No Holds Barred at three. And then last, Baywatch Nights. Like that that was a mess, and it... (laughs) It wasn't as entertaining as I was kind of hoping for with Hasselhoff and um, the bizarre story of the episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would put that up for. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same there with you. Um, I got The Room as number one easily. Uh, I got No Holds Barred as number two. Uh, and The Wicker Man is number three. And then, yeah, last is Baywatch Nights. Um, I, don't, I have more of a history with no holds barred than you do so right it's, yeah yeah more rewatchable for me um and just being a wrestling fan mm-hmm. uh, i kind of i kind of was wondering if that would be the case because yeah that yeah. i could definitely see that resonating more with uh 
people who grew up with the wrestling and everything. For me, that wasn't the case. So, And if we're talking about rewatchable TV episodes, I think the Baywatch one with the WCW guys in it, like Ric Flair and Hulkster and Macho Man is way better. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, that one's way more rewatchable. Uh, so we're going to have... I don't even know what our next awesomely bad is. That might be our last... Oh, no, September, we have another awesomely bad coming up. In September? Uh, yeah, in September. Awesomely bad sports movies? or Yeah, awesomely, awesomely bad sports timber, which <laughs> is our fourth sports timber. Yes. Um, I won't release any of those movies. So you guys have to wait for those, our five <laughs> listeners. Um, <laughs> but next month is, for April, we're going to be doing rapper month. So we're going to have movies starring... Um, Famous rappers. Uh, it's going to be kind of interesting. We got Cradle to the Grave, which is a movie I've never seen. Uh, Get Rich or Die Tryin', which is a movie I used to own, so I've seen it a few times. Uh, Friday, which is surprisingly a movie I've never seen. What? Oh, wow. Yeah, which has um, Tiny Lister in it. <laughs> Zeus from No Holds Barn. Um, and then Cool as Ice, starring Vanilla Ice, which is a movie I have seen, which could also be considered awesomely bad. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be a fun one to cover. But uh, if you guys are into that kind of stuff, uh, come by for that. Next week we'll be talking about Cradle to the Grave. Uh, if you're liking a show, like, share, and subscribe. Um, leave us a review. We're on pretty much every platform you can think of. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. We got wide variety of stuff we got some older episodes on there um just some funny videos we've thrown together a couple of our tiktoks are on there uh yeah if you have tiktok check us out on there too uh and then also on youtube i have like a little side uh series i've been doing called slasher quest where i watch 80 slasher movies and talk about them uh i think i got about 10 episodes of that i've been working on this one for pieces uh, for like <laughs> almost two months now, uh, I've been swamped with work and been having a hard time finding time to work on it. But I mean, that should be out before too long. I have everything I need. I just need to start editing it. It's a process. Oh yeah. But yeah, come by uh, next week. We'll be talking about Cradle to the Grave, getting into Rapper Month. And until then, as always, be kind and rewind.